This is our annual open mic. And so what that means is that there's no single preacher today. We all get to participate in preaching good news, in sharing good news, and specifically proclaiming how we have experienced God's goodness this year. And so I love this day. I love this day because we get to hear from one another. And personally, I love hearing what God might be up to in your life or what you sense God might be up to in your life. But I think there's also this wonderful thing that happens when we proclaim with boldness who God is and what God is up to. And so that is another reason why this is my favorite day. So we're going to get about that. We're going to get about it here. And let me give you just a little bit of direction, a little bit of instruction, and then I'm going to kick us off. I'm going to share a story that I've been wanting to share for several weeks now since this happened to me. I've kind of been saving it up for this day, so I look forward to sharing that with all, all of you. Uh, but let me tell you how this is going to go this morning. Um, I will start. I'll, I'll kick us off. And then um, we're going to have, as the day suggests, just open mic time. As you feel led, if you would like to come forward and share how you have experienced God's goodness this year, we invite you to do that. That could be in the form of a story. That could be a circumstance or something that's happened in your life that you just want to share about. That could be a poem. That could be reading some scripture that's really spoken to you this year. There's a lot of different ways you can do that. You might have come today already ha having reflected on that question and have something in mind, or maybe you're sitting out there thinking, I definitely don't want to share it all today, and that's okay. Perhaps God will nudge you. So I want to invite you also to just pay attention to the prompts and the stirrings of your heart and uh, come forward as you feel led. And when it gets to be about uh, that time where it seems like everyone who's wanted to share has had a chance, then Jeremiah and Jeffrey will round out our worship with confession and communion and send us into the new year with a benediction. Okay? One other little piece of housekeeping for today's gathering. You'll see on the boards here, we have some language. Sometimes when someone shares and they sit down, we don't know, are we supposed to clap? And are we clapping for them? Are we clapping for God? What's, what's kind of happening there? Or are we just to stay silent? So what I want to encourage us to do today is when someone shares, I will prompt us to say this. I will say, God is good all the time. And that will be the rest of your prompt to say this. All the time, God is good. Does that make sense? So let's practice. God is good all the time. That's what we'll do. Sound good? Excellent. Just like that. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. So I want to share a story. Can I start? Great. Okay. This happened to me about, I don't know, six, seven weeks ago, mid-November. And when it happened, I thought, I'm going to share that at the end of the year unless God impresses something else upon me, and he hasn't. So this is what I want to share with you all. This was like, yeah, mid-November. I, was, uh, I had gotten home from uh, the third trip that I made to Texas. Many of you know I lost my brother uh, halfway through the year, and I have been making trips to Texas where he lived to try to help my parents navigate all of that. And I'd gotten home from the third time that I had to go down there this fall, and I was doing okay. I got in on a Sunday night, and I was doing okay, kind of moving into my week. And as the week went along, I just started to feel... 
I don't know, like a, a weighted blanket was kind of being impressed upon me, just that kind of feeling of low, right, just as the week kind of moved along. And by the time I got to the end of the week, I was just really feeling it. I was feeling sorrow. I was feeling sad. I was feeling despondent is the word that I often use. And so it was a Friday, and I had two things on my calendar that day. I had a, a Friday morning breakfast with Katie, and then I had a meeting at 4 o'clock. And I had breakfast with Katie, and our breakfast had nothing to do with my mood. It was a lovely time. <laughs> but as that day went on, I just could feel myself just really feeling, feeling low and feeling weak. And someone at the beginning of uh, kind of the year said, you know, when you're navigating grief, uh, give yourself permission to pull back. Give yourself permission to just stop sometimes and take care of yourself. And that's not always the easiest thing for me to do, but I've been trying to heed that advice. And so I got home after our breakfast, and I just went upstairs, and I went under the covers. And I thought, I'm just going to stay here until whatever this feeling is that's impressing upon me goes away. And I did something that I have often done uh, this year when I can't get my mind to sort of still and settle. I put in a podcast that I thought would just help me kind of nod off to sleep. Okay, so I just clicked on the first thing that was on my phone. I put on this podcast, and it was an interview with this woman, this English writer, this UK writer, who'd written a book as it, as it uh, would happen about navigating grief, about her journey with grief. And the story was that when she was a teenager, her mother suffered uh, an accident, a riding accident, fell off a horse. And for 20 years, her and her older sister, Nell, were the primary caregivers for her mother until she died 20 years later. And then her older sister, Nell, died. And that was what her book is about. That's what her book is about, navigating the complexities of loss and grief. And the thing that stood out to me about her story was how she talked about her sister. Her sister owned a circus, which was such a curious detail that just stuck with me. Her sister co-founded and started a traveling circus that tours all around England. And so I'm sitting there and I'm listening to this podcast, and it was sort of a feeling of feeling a little bit um, less alone in what I was navigating. Sometimes we need that, right? We need to hear somebody else normalize the experience that we're experiencing. And so it felt, in the moment, it felt a little comforting to hear this woman's story. So I stayed upstairs, and I was still feeling kind of low, and I had a meeting later in the day, and I thought I better kind of get up and see if I can get some energy to go to this meeting. And I still was feeling just that like weighted blanket on me, just a, a weight that I couldn't lift. So I had about an hour or so, and I thought, I'm going to sit down. And I was at, at home by myself, and I'm going to make a collage, because sometimes that is how I try to get emotion out. I'm going to just sort of make a collage. And so I sit down. DJ wasn't home. I made myself a cup of tea. I got out my collaging supplies, paper, scissors, glue, and the stack of magazines that I use. And I pulled the first magazine off the stack, National Geographic, and I opened it, page one, page two, page three, and I come to the very first story, the very first spread of beautiful images, you know, because it's National Geographic, and it's a circus. And I thought, well, that's weird. And I thought, well, that could be one of those things, right? You start thinking about something, and then you see it everywhere. Oh, wow, okay. And I keep flipping these images, and it's like a multi-page spread of these beautiful images. I mean, this is like these artistic, theatrical, wonderful images. And I'm just thinking, well, that's funny. And I look down at the caption, 
in teeny tiny type, what we in the design world called mouse type, you know, really small little caption type. And it says, Nell Gifford's Circus, the matriarch of whom passed away in 2019. It's the circus that this podcast, this interview was talking to me about. Now, you might think that's just a coincidence. Maybe that's all that is. That's a coincidence. But I have to tell you what happened to me in that moment. I was by myself in the house, and I just said, what? <laughs> and then I said, are you kidding me? And I just kind of, in the moment for me, to me, <laughs> that was God saying, I'm here. I'm in this. I see you in all of the stuff you're navigating. Keep being open to su my surprise. And that really, I mean, that just it really like impressed upon me like, oh. And maybe it is a coincidence, but let me tell you one other thing that happened to me. As I kind of experienced that, whatever that was, it was like wind just came into my sails. It was like that weight just left. And I got on with my day. And I left the house to my 4 o'clock meeting much different than how I entered into it. So whether you believe that's a coincidence or what I believe that was God, <laughs> that happened. And that, I think, to me, captures what I've experienced of God this year, which is just this word withness, God with, in all the mess that human life sometimes is. And um, so I think about that a lot. I have a friend who says, make note, those are God winks. Those are memory stones. You're going to need those to kind of remember when you get into it. So anyway, that's the story I wanted to share. And I want to say that God is good all the time. <laughs> Great. All right. I will sit down. And as you feel led, come forward. doesn't have to be a long story like that. Any way that you've experienced God's goodness this year, it will bless us to hear. I wasn't going to share, actually, but that story, uh, I'm a person who will say every moment in our life should be a God moment, and I'm always looking for those, and uh, so that was a God moment for me right now, and it reminds me of a story about three months ago where I'm a hospice chaplain, I was with a patient, and, um, you know, we were sort of interacting, and, and I caught myself thinking, this is a boring conversation. I wish I was someplace else. Uh, and, but I've sort of trained myself now to realize, okay, Randy, this is your problem. You're not recognizing this God moment. And, and I thought that. I thought, you know what? God is here. This is a God moment, and I'm wasting it. And as soon as I said that to myself, then suddenly this woman became just really dear to me. And it was like, wow, I love this woman. She's such a beautiful person. And our relationship was immediately transformed. And God showed up. I mean, God was always there. But then I saw God. And I saw God in her. And the conversation changed. And it was just a beautiful thing. So anyway, God is good all the time. Good morning. Um, my name is Alicia Sugatan. We've actually been members for three years, but we've been in and out of the, I know, three years, because we moved in 2020. 
Um, and then we were members, yeah, 10 years before that. So um, pretty much related to what Meg was talking about, I'm going to share a little bit. I have some scripture I want to share as well. Um, but I'll share a little bit about what's going on in our lives. So three years ago, we moved back to Cincinnati after being in Wisconsin for 10 years because my dad was diagnosed with myodysplastic syndrome, which is a form of blood cancer. So we moved back here to be closer to family. Um, in about a year of being here, my father-in-law was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. So he passed within a year. And then right after that, I had my first miscarriage. And this last Thanksgiving, the day before Thanksgiving, I had my second miscarriage that I needed to have surgery for. So it's been a lot. And somebody said to me, and I just have my Bible and some notes here that I just wanted to make sure I hit on, but somebody said to me when it happened, the second miscarriage, everything happens for a reason. And at that time, that's not something I wanted to hear. And what I've been thinking about is that not everything happens for a reason, but that everything happens. And then that's kind of translated for me to be everything happens and God is with me. Um, and so I've actually been in Ecclesiastes and Job a lot, which kind of tells you where we've been at in life. So I wanted to share a passage in Ecclesiastes, um, chapter 9, verse 11. I've seen everything, I've seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all which for me was really actually quite um, comforting, that everything happens. Um, but everything happens and God with me, is with me, really came to me when I was in uh, the story of Elijah in 1 Kings. So in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses, starting with verse 9, And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. So God was in that gentle whisper. So for me, in our, some of our darkest, most challenging moments as a family, what I found comfort in is just hearing the whisper and feeling that I'm not alone. So not that everything happens for a reason, but everything happens and God is with us. Um, so not a terribly uplifting story, but one that I feel like when Meg was talking, I can relate to those moments. Um, and that kind of relationship with God has helped deepen my comfort in the hardest moments. So God is good all the time. So if you had seen my like face back there when <laughs> Meg was talking and then everybody else was talking, the theme of like as soon as she said with, it was kind of like a sitcom moment. I was just like, I promise I wrote this out beforehand. So <laughs> um, so my name's Hannah. 
Um, I'm the newer face that kind of commandeered that back pew over there. <laughs> um, 2023 has been a year. <laughs> to fully dissect the type of year this has been for me would take way longer than a couple minutes and probably like an accompanying podcast or something. Uh, but to give you a kind of idea of how it started, uh, three weeks into 2023, my roommates and I found an eviction notice taped to our door. <laughs> we were told our duplex was being torn down, which ended up being a lie, but that's a tale for another time. So that's how the year started, <laughs> and things would only get more complicated and messy from there. One day, I relate these feelings to my mentor and former high school theater teacher, uh, who has been kind enough to check in on me, even though she lives in my hometown, which is like five hours away. I text her saying, I'm struggling. It seems like there are a lot of different things happening at once, so life just feels noisy. I haven't been spending as much time with him and his word as I should, and I have a bad habit of sinking into shame when that happens, which makes me even more hesitant to spend time with him because I create this illusion that he's irritated and doesn't want to talk to me. I know that's miles away from being true, but it's hard for my heart knowledge and head knowledge to catch up with each other. Upside down emoji face. <laughs> my friend responded with this. I trust you to weigh this, as it might just be me, but I feel like the Father might be inviting you on a date, not a traditional, hyper-spiritual, quiet time. The image I'm getting of you is at a museum, perhaps a free museum, walking from picture to picture, soaking in his presence. He may have something to say about specific ones, maybe making you laugh about some, maybe using others to speak directly about his love for you. I don't know if it's an invitation from the Father, but I hope you're able to make it happen. This creeps me out a little bit <laughs> um, because I had been sitting on the idea of going to the Cincinnati Art Museum for quite some time, and I had only been once and really wanted to go again. I cleared my Saturday, the Saturday before we were supposed to move, as it turns out. I armed myself with a notebook, a pair of earbuds, and headed into the museum, unsure of what I was looking for or what I would find. Less than 10 minutes into walking through the front doors, I discovered the exact image I was meant to find. A painting by George Innes, I think is his name, from 1862 called The Golden Sunset. It is an explosion of warmth emanating from a very golden sunset which bathes two silhouettes in her light. It is a father and his daughter. They are just standing on a grassy knoll together. No agenda, no presumptions, just presence. This image has stuck with me and continues to do so. In his book, With, the author Sky Jatani says, there are four postures we take when it comes to God. Life under God, life over God, life from God, life for God. But none of these are correct because we were created for life with God. While the lesson still feels like it hasn't completely sunk in on some days, I am grateful for God who desires proximity with his creation and who longs to be with me even during the kind of year this has been. Advent is spent preparing our hearts for the arrival of Emmanuel, God with us, and I am excited to lean into that promise as we head into 2024. God is good all the time. Hello, I'm Shannon. <laughs> so last year I came to this service and I honestly forgot that it was this type of service, the open mic sharing service. I didn't prepare anything or plan on sharing anything, but throughout the service, I felt a nudge from God telling me to go say something, and I basically told him no, <laughs> and listed all the excuses of why I wasn't going to go up there. I don't have anything prepared, I have small kids with me, and I don't like getting up in front of people. <laughs> so I didn't end up sharing anything, and I walked away that day still thinking about it, 
and wondering had I not been obedient, obedient to what God was asking me to do. I wrestled with that question a lot and thought about it throughout the next couple of days. I prayed about it and God met me right where I was. Even through the feelings of guilt and shame, I felt comforted by him. I had shared this with a few close people, including Megan, and she shared a verse with me that has been a constant reminder throughout this year. It's Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And it just reminded me that God meets us where we're at. He's not disappointed, and he does not turn away, and he is with me wherever I go. And so throughout this year, there have been situations where he has called me to do something that makes me feel uncomfortable or anxious. And even though I still get anxious, I have been reminded time and time again that he is with me. He doesn't tell me to go and do it alone. He is right beside me holding my hand. And I can put aside fear and trust him. God is good all the time. <laughs> Hey everybody, my name is DJ. Uh, I've been thinking about what I would say for the last week or so and nothing came up. Uh, so I didn't think I was actually gonna get up here and say anything like Randy said. And then Meg said, she mentioned the word poem, like you could read a poem. And a poem came to mind and it also comes from the 1800s as Hannah mentioned her uh, painting. It comes from 1877. And this is by a Jesuit priest named Gerard Manley Hopkins. Um, Manley Hopkins, he wrote a lot of poetry and then he put it away because he became a priest and thought that that shouldn't be something that he did. And, and so a lot of his poetry came out after his death, including this one. And for me, this poem, it's called God's Grandeur. Um, and I think you'll see that what Manley Hopkins is grappling with at that moment, over 150 years ago or around 150 years ago, it's very similar to some of the things that we're grappling with right now in our world, um, in particular how we treat our Mother Earth. Um, so this is how it goes, and maybe I'll say something afterwards. I didn't really plan on much. Um, the world is charged with the grandeur of God. It will flame out like shining from shook foil. It gathers to a greatness like the ooze of oil crushed. Why do men then now not wreck his rod? Generations have trod, have trod, have trod. And all is seared with trade, bleared, smeared with toil. And where's man's smudge and shares man's smell? The soil is bare now, nor can foot feel being shod. So that's the, you know, negative. And he goes on. And for all this, nature is never spent. There lives the dearest freshness deep down things. And though the last lights off the black west went, O oh morning at the brown brink eastward springs, because the Holy Ghost over the bent world broods with warm breast and with awe bright wings. And so what I love about this poem is there's two truths. 
we're destroying the planet, and that was true 150 years ago. It was starting through the second industrial revolution. We're still doing that, um, but the truth is that God's grandeur is in all things. And I love that end where it's talking about God brooding over us, and I think about a few times this year where I was lucky enough to see a chicken lay an egg, and then they sit over the egg, and it's like 150 degrees. It's very warm under that egg. It's this incredible moment of connection with nature and with these crazy little creatures that continue to lay eggs and make compost that makes our garden grow. And I was able to give a lot of that garden to this community and share that, which was a gift to me, and to see it continue to grow. And tomorrow, Megan and I are going to grow native seeds that might not grow. And if they do grow, it may take a year for them to produce any sort of thing. We have pawpaws that may not grow fruit for another seven years. And it takes an incredible amount of hope <laughs> to grow things. The other day, we were walking through Canada. I saw these small apple trees. And I'm like, wow, those people think that we'll be around in another seven years or so to actually pick those apples that are alive with the Holy Ghost of God brooding over us. And so I don't know about you, um, but I find a lot of hope in this passage and um, said it over and over again this summer a few times throughout the, the summer. And I'd like to say it over and over again this year too. And so I would say God is grand all the time. morning. My name is Deb, and I was thinking about what to talk about, about God's goodness this year, and I thought of a story of something I just went through this fall with my job. Uh, I'm an instructional coach in a large district outside, just outside of Cincinnati. After years of being a teacher, um, I landed this job last year. It is my dream job. I get to teach teachers how to work with students with special needs, which is my passion. And I feel like I have just a large impact, a bigger impact than I ever had when I was just a teacher. Um, but as you probably have heard if you watch the news, there is a massive teacher shortage in the United States. And our district was no different than any other. We had to um, hire a bunch of new teachers this year. And so we did, and things looked great. We were really optimistic. These were a lot of teachers that interviewed well. Um, unfortunately, by about the fourth week of school, it became very evident that one of them was not very good, and she was actually fired the fourth week of school. And I found myself as a substitute teacher. And when I say the blow to my ego was huge, that is minor. Um, I did not want to go back to the classroom. I left the classroom for a reason. I had spent a lot of years teaching probably what would be the most difficult children to teach, and I was tired. <laughs> so not only did I find myself back in the classroom, but in a classroom where nobody had taught all year. And it was in disarray, and it seems like it would be small because there was only eight children. But of those eight children, they were first through fourth grade. Five of them are non-speaking, using three different forms of communication devices. Most of them are not toilet trained. <laughs> and we have a chronic biter in the classroom. 
So it was not some kind of job that somebody could just pull somebody off the street and say, hey, sub in here. So I understood I had to be put back in there. It wasn't a punishment. It was the circumstances of what we're facing right now. But it was really hard. As soon as I stepped back in and started organizing things, all I heard everywhere from the parents of the students, from my supervisors, from my coworkers, the paraprofessionals in the room was, oh, you are an answer to prayer. We were praying for what the solution would be, and it's you. And it made me so angry because I did not want to be this answer to prayer at all. And, um, you know, I just kind of smiled through it and thought, you know, I'll take this up with God later. <laughs> this was not what I was intending at all. And, uh, but, you know, as things go, you kind of make your peace with what your situation is. And I did. And I saw a lot of good fruit from being in this classroom with these students. But the thing that really showed me God's goodness was a surprise I got with one. And that's what I want to tell you about quickly today. Uh, there's a little girl in the class, and I'll call her Brittany. She's in fourth grade, and Brittany relies on everyone else to do everything for her. Um, she is a beautiful young lady with big blue eyes, long black eyelashes, beautiful honey brown hair. Her mom does it all the time. She's always dressed like a little fashionista. Brittany is not able to talk or vocalize. She cannot move her body in any way. Uh, she has a lot of spasticity with her uh, diagnosis, and so she spends most of her time lying on a mat in the classroom. And um, the first thing I noticed when I started working with her was she has a great um, love for physical humor, and she also loves to be read to, and she loves uh, to try new things uh, when she can. And um, but the big thing that I noticed with her is when I'm with her, the silence, because it's always very, very silent, of course. And as I worked with her, I started calling the silence a sacred silence, because as we would work together and as I would spend time with her, that silence was so profound. It was so profound, I swear, I swear, the Holy Spirit just fills that silence. And it was so full and so peaceful. So when you remove spoken language and sign language as a possibility, you have one form of communication that's really left, and that's presence. And um, so when I work with Brittany, I, I hold up two choices each time I ask her a question. And she communicates with eye gaze. So what we have to do is we have to lock eyes to make sure she has my attention and she gets, um, she gets her control over her eyes. And then she'll gaze to the left or the right to answer the question, depending on which one she wants. But what I started to notice is that when I would do that and we would lock eyes at first, she wouldn't want to answer questions. She just wanted to look in my eyes because she just wanted to be with me. See, this is the gift that God gave me. Every day at 12.30, classroom empties as the other kids and the paraprofessionals and the nurse that's in there all go to the other classes that they go to, and I and Brittany have the room. And so what I do is I climb down on the floor with her, which is no small task at my age, and I lay down with her, and we read Arthur books, and she answers questions by gazing right or left. 
choosing her pictures. Sometimes I can pry her hand open and squeeze a marker in, and hand over hand, we'll practice writing her name. And she loves that so much, she will actually laugh out loud when she uses a marker. But here's the thing. When I work with her, time stops existing. Because in her world, time has no meaning at all. It's like with the Lord, a day is a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. Every day, I get to experience that sense of eternity and that sense of timelessness in God, with God when I'm with her. I get to connect with her, and I get to experience just this peace that passes all understanding. And I get to connect with another human exactly the way that God wants us to, one image of God to another image of God. And this has been a tremendous gift. And um, I, I think about it every time when I walk into that classroom, the psalmist who says, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And I just really feel like in those moments, I'm seeing the full goodness of God. So God is good all the time. No offense, anybody. No offense, anybody. Hi, uh, my name is Elliot. I'm 14 years old, and I've been going here for 14 years. So I win. And <laughs> this year has been a lot ever since COVID, I think. I've just really seen a lot of change within myself and within the church especially. And ever since I've been looking at that change, it's been a lot for me because for me, none of my life never really changed much. But when I would see that change in the church, it really kind of opened my eyes to what I can change within myself as well. And throughout this year, I've grown a lot mentally, uh, spiritually, especially physically. Tallest in my family now. Take that. Um, but especially through this year, a lot of spiritual growth. And throughout this year, reading a lot of chapters of the Bible and verses, one has stood out to me just a lot. And it's from... If it'll load. It's from... Uh, goodness. Mark 10 where Jesus is talking to the children, and the disciples try to push them away. But Jesus says, Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. And as I'm now growing up from becoming a child to a teen to eventually an adult, I'm trying to figure out how to keep that childlike self within me because I feel like as a child I've always felt much more connected with God and I feel like children are also always more appreciative of things like you can give them a piece of candy and they'll go ecstatic <laughs> but I feel like as I'm growing up I need to figure out how to be with God more and this verse has really helped me through that because I'm realizing 
I need to be more like the children and figure out what I can do to be better. And I mean, here and there, I'm being called childish. So maybe I'm not doing 100% right, but I just hope that through next year as well, I'll continue to grow my faith and just appreciate that God is good all the time. wasn't going to talk, but I feel inspired. So here I am. Um, this last year, I made a big decision about a surgery that I'm going to have this spring. And every time I tell somebody that I'm having the surgery, they always go, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, you're so brave. And I always have to clarify, no, I'm very excited. You know, and it's, it is a big surgery. And I'm like, but how, it's so amazing and what a privilege I have to have the surgery. And I think that for the, the first time in my life, I've really understood, I don't have the Bible verse pulled up, I'm not prepared, but the one that talks about taking joy in your trials and suffering, I feel like for the first time, I'm really understanding that. Um, as I'm moving forward, I am freaked out <laughs> about the surgery because it's going to be painful and the recovery is going to be long. But underneath all of that, and the reason that I stick with it, is just the joy that I feel from being able to go through that because of how wonderful the results will be. Um, and I think that most of the times when people suffer, the everything's internal, and so it's not as easy to see what, what good will come out of it. Um, with a surgery, the doctors tell you exactly what's going to happen and the timeline of it. Um, but I feel like it's a lesson that I am, I feel like I can apply to other areas of my life as well. And just looking at how the, the benefit outweighs the cost um, and how excited I am to go through the surgery, even though it's going to be painful because of how wonderful the results will be. And I feel like that's just something that I'm trying to apply in other areas of my life as well. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing I've learned this year is taking joy in the painful things. So that's it, I don't have anything else. Oh, God is good all the time. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> my name's Mark. I don't know you, and if I don't look at you, I don't know. It's kind of weird. I'm not usually in, good in front of people, but um, I have a whole bunch of things to say, so it'll probably not come out right unless God takes care of everything. But um, So this, this thing came over me when uh, Daniel was speaking about joy, <clears throat> and I shared it with Meg the other week, and I feel like I need to share it with everybody else. And also, my kids are telling me to go up, and they told me to go up next, so I feel like, you know, when God, like, speaks to you, 
they either want to go get more cookies or, or I would need it to come up. But since it was already kind of like moving in that direction, I thought I'd share it. And then, um, and like back to the everything happens for a reason. I think, I think we were made in God's image and we want to be God-like, whether that's good or bad. And um, one of the things I think about on a daily basis is that like God can take me and others and use our good and bad however he sees fit so that we can be of service to others. And um, I think trying to think about why things happen is a God-like thing. And that's not necessarily good because like, you know, that saying on your mirror in the car, like things in hindsight or whatever, 2020, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Um, you know, like in the rearview mirror, you can understand why things happened and you can see how things led up to it. But while you're in it, you might not know it, you might not understand it, and that's okay, right? Because God understands it, and he knows it, and he's in control. Back to the joy thing. Like, a lot of times, and I don't know how to explain this, but like, we live in this physical world where we try and label things on what's joyful and what's not joyful, and people can experience joy in things that are terrifying and scary and like dark and happy and, you know, like jobs or, or material things or whatever, but to me, and what I heard in that sermon was, and this was like during it and after it and like for like a week and a half until I shared it, so I'm supposed to share it, I think, but it's like a cosmic hug, and I don't know if like maybe you need kids or parents or friends to experience that, but it's like a cosmic hug that you know everything is gonna be okay, you know everything is gonna work out how it's supposed to, and it's that warmth, um, I mean it's love, right? And it's how do we share that love? And I know a lot of people don't want physical touch or affection, but that's the only thing that I can like equate it to, at least to me, is um, just that overwhelming sense of everything's gonna be okay, everything's gonna work out the way it's supposed to, and that all you have to do is ask for it. <laughs> like, if you have a parent, you can say, hey, I need a hug. Or if you have a spouse, you can say, hey, I need a hug. Or sometimes they can walk up to you and give it to you anyway. And I think God and the Holy Spirit is there, and it's all around us, and it's ready to do it, and all you have to do is ask for it. And I think that's a miracle in itself. And so with that, I'll move on. But. Hey, good morning. So I'm John. And wanted to start off by sharing a verse to go along with what I'm about to share. So this is Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to his power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So um, at the end of last year, beginning of this year, I was battling a pretty bad running injury, um, my IT band. And like in all 19 years of running, I never had one that lasted. Uh, I was probably about five months. So I remember I couldn't even like run two miles without any pain at the beginning of this year and then struggling with uh, discouragement and depression, like which is actually pretty typical for the winter months for me, but that kind of added to it. Um, and I remember 
I think I was seeing God in that is like taking steps, like action steps of faith through like trying out physical therapy in the late spring, early summer. And that really helped and like continuing to do those exercises. And like, I actually had plans to run some of the spring races, but that wasn't really a possibility. So I think sometimes to go along with that verse, um, sometimes God has, it's possible he has other plans for us that are better than what we ask or think of. And so, yeah, as I've continued to heal, like throughout the year, um, I signed up for the Columbus Half Marathon, which was in October. And I was actually able to run like my second fastest half marathon. Um, so uh, praise God for that. And I remember going to the Columbus Art Museum later after the race. And I remember looking at this uh, painting. Uh, it's called A Wooded Landscape with Travelers. It was, it's an oil painting from the mid 17th century. And I think I liked the description of it, what it said. Um, landscapes like this view of a Dutch woodland emphasize the small size of humans compared to the large scale of the natural environment with its tall trees, vast skies, and distant hills. This was a reminder of the infinite power of God compared to the limitations of men and women and of the importance of remaining humble. So I think that was God speaking to me that day and like the end of that race and that whole experience. And yeah, I think that that's, that's all I got. So God is good all the time. something too. Were you? Was I right? Okay. Do you want to come up after me or do you want to share now? After me. Sweet. Okay. Cool. I'll, I'll block this mic for you after I'm done. Okay. Um, my name is Emery and uh, I'm already going to cry. But um, that's not sad that my name is Emery. Uh, I, like, I like my name. <laughs> Um, I like telling you my name. None of that is sad. Uh, and I don't even know the reason I'm crying is sad. I don't think that's why I have tears in my eyes. But um, yeah, I, uh, a lot of you probably don't know me. I pop in and out. I would like to make this a more consistent place on Sundays and other days. But um, yeah, uh, but I wanted to lean into a, even with that dynamic of like, like maybe, have I even been going here long enough to come up here and talk? Like, you know, and, uh, but I'll, yeah, I'll say yes as well. And, um, and uh, yeah, be, because ultimately I wanted to lean into this moment that I found uh, redemptive um, for me and maybe there will be slivers of it for you as well in some way, but um, so almost a year ago, I was in a position, I was on stage at um, 
at another church. I was on stage with a guitar uh, around my neck and with a mic in front of me and, um, and uh, having just sung songs with, these, with this community. Um, and we were also having this moment of people coming up to an open mic, um, kind of mid or post-worship, and uh, people just sharing um, just things they wanted to celebrate with, with the congregation. Um, and there were, there were great things that people were coming up to share, and uh, the longer, the more, the more people that came up, the more I was feeling stirred to share. Um, and, you know, that meant just increased heart rate and uh, sweatier palms and shakier knees and um, all of that. Um, especially, like, the awkwardness of, like, getting, putting the guitar down and stepping, all, all of that. Was, I was just thinking a lot about what that was going to look like to get up there. And, but I had something I wanted to share um, with these people uh, that, I'd, that I'd been with for, for years at that point and that I'd been very involved with. Um, and I didn't feel comfortable. Um, I didn't feel... Uh, I didn't feel comfortable sharing this thing that was very, very sincere and very, very legitimate and that God was very, very much a part of um, and something that I wanted to celebrate with uh, this community that I had, had been a part of um, in very big ways. Um, and, but I didn't feel safe and I didn't feel comfortable and I didn't trust this place. Um, and, and that made me really sad, <laughs> and it made me really uncomfortable, and to the point of like, that's not worth it, Emory, you don't have to do that. But um, soon after that, I left. Um, and, and so coming here this morning, I can, yeah, I had no idea this was happening. Um, I'm sorry, <laughs> that says more about me than anything. Um, but seeing this microphone, uh, and seeing people come up and share such raw and sweet and honest and real things. Um, I just saw it as an opportunity to just do it over um, and do it over in a place that I am choosing to trust um, and uh, with a God that I'm choosing to trust. Um, anyway, so yeah, so I guess the thing, not to build it up, a ton, but <laughs> it doesn't need to be that big of a deal, I guess. But um, yeah, just it's just that I, I am gay, and, and I have been, and church has been a crazy, hard, awkward thing to navigate um, for my entire life. Um, and, and I have I found a job at the beginning of two years ago now. Um, I have a job that is, I mean, it's just at a coffee shop, but... It has just been um, incredible with my healing process. Um, and, uh, and that was what I wanted to celebrate with, with you all this morning. Um, and just like the, the healing. And uh, I moved recently at, uh, oh yeah, I, remember, <laughs> thank you. I thought it was like, did you cut off? <laughs> no, thank you. No, I, <laughs> I know I can say a lot. I'm pretty wordy, but no. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I really, yeah, I'm almost done. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, 
it is just, yeah, there's just so much healing that has happened in my life, um, relationally, uh, communally, uh, internally with myself and the way I see myself and the way that I um, choose to believe that God sees me um, and the way that I do, be- yeah, the way that I believe he sees all of us and, um, and so, uh, and, that, and that job and I want to kind of stick to that because I didn't get to really celebrate that with the Southern community but this job has been such a, such a safe place for me to, to be asked very simple questions about, uh, about life, but in these ways that I'm able to respond in this honest <laughs> way um, that many other people don't have to think about um, and have to navigate. How do I say this without telling them everything? Or how do I say this? Um, it, anyway, uh, so um, yeah. I, it's just it's been it's been a year of letting go of resentment and bitterness. Um, it's been a year of leaning, trying, trying to lean in to community and to other safe places. Um, and so, uh, thank you, because um, I'm here. I'm here for a reason, but I'm, I'm, you are <laughs> a big part of that reason, whether you know it or not. So, um, yeah, thank you very much. God is. Good all the time. I'm Eden. I've been here for about eight years, I think. Probably minus a few weeks because I like going on vacation with my mom. But um, in first grade, I had my best friend, Jane, but the year later, she had to go to a different school because I don't know why. But, um, but then the second year, in the middle of the year, I met, well, in the middle of the year in first grade, I had to be sick for a week because... I had COVID, but then when I came back, there was a new girl. I'm like, who is she? And then she had like a hearing aid, glasses, short hair. But then I got to know her, but we didn't really like each other because we both thought that we were stealing Jane from each other for some reason. But then in art, we... um, we have these tables where we have to sit with somebody. And I got stuck with Tavona, the girl with the short hair, glasses, and hearing aid. But I also got stuck with my best friend, Tamia. And eventually we started, like, we um, had to be right next to each other because that was our assigned seats, and Tamia was across the table from us. But we... um, the next year, Jane left, and we started spending time together instead of just, like, like using time with Jane and not really trying to not spend time with her. But then we started hanging out a lot. But then the next year, well, in the middle of the year, she um, 
told me she got, um, like, she was going to try and get into the school, Spencer, and I was really sad, but then she actually got into it, but I was super happy for her because it was, um, she didn't do that well in my school, but she was so happy where she was. She didn't actually care. She got some C's here and there in her thing, and I was sad that she left, but all those feelings she left it just felt so good when she was there that um, I just, I guess I wanted to share about her. But I still get to hang out a lot and every here and there. We hanged out a lot over the summer, like we hanged out every week or so because we missed each other a lot. And I just thought she, once she left, she would make so many friends and think she, I wouldn't be, I thought she wouldn't want to be my friend anymore. But then I started seeing her over the summer and then we, it was a while until school started and then we saw each other. And I was so afraid because she came to one of my soccer games and I felt like if I fell, she might not want to hang out after, but she was, um, we were going to the cemetery together, but um, then she, I re she told me that she was worried that th I would not want to be her friend if something ha silly happened with her. And then I just think it's such a blessing that I met her. So, yeah. And my teacher likes to say phenomenal to me, but I don't feel like I'm the one who's being phenomenal anymore. So I feel like God is the one being phenomenal. Amen. Yeah. God is phenomenal, always. It's been a really good day, uh, and God is phenomenal. Thank you for that, and God is grand, and God is good. Um, and I've appreciated the time with you today, community. Um, I've appreciated the, the reminders of the presence of God, um, that he is there in um, difficult and scary things, that he's there in the midst of hurt uh, he's there when things don't go the way that we would wish that they did. Uh, he's there in the, in the special times and in the mundane times. Um, the presence of God is so good. Um, our God is so good to be able to, to allow us to experience that. I'm reminded um, in James, James says, draw near to God and God will draw near to you. And that that promise of scripture is so beautiful. It reminds me of the story of the, the prodigal son who goes far away and comes back. And, and my favorite thing about that story um, is, is the line in Luke that says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and ran to him and embraced him. Our God is such a good God. He's present with us. When we draw near to him, he draws near to us. 
And we get to do that again and again and again and again throughout our day in and day out lives. And we get to do that every time that we gather here together as a community. And we get to do that every time we come to this table. And so we want to do that today um, before our time is done. Uh, we want to spend time together at this table, remembering that our God is good, remembering that he's present with us, remembering that as we draw close to him, he's drawing close to us. And so with, with simple things that we've been given, with a bit of bread and with a cup of juice, we are reminded of the nearness of God. We're reminded of the presence of God. We're reminded of the Father that runs to meet us. We're reminded of the goodness of Jesus uh, to save us when we could not save ourselves. So like we always do, uh, we'll come to the table and uh, take uh, a piece of bread and a cup of juice and take them back to our seats. And when we have all been served, we'll take those together uh, as a community. Before we do that, um, as always, we come and we confess that we are works in progress, and that we are not who we need to be yet. We are still moving toward God, and thankfully, God is moving toward us as well. So if you are willing, would you stand with me, whether in body or in spirit, and would you confess uh, together with me before we come to the table?